morning, guys. My name is Jessica, and I am the Compassion Ministry Director here at Grace Hill Church. And typically, I'm sitting probably where you are, in your living room or your kitchen or your backyard watching what's going on here. But today, I get to be here, give real waves to you instead of my virtual waves like I typically do online. Um, it's just good to be back here and hope to see you guys soon. I don't know about you, but I've been doing all the things that I'm supposed to do right now while I'm at home. Doing the yard work, doing the major projects in the backyard, painting rooms in my house, moving rooms in my house around, all those kinds of things. I even went as far as to get a new puppy because we had nothing else to do. So we're doing all the things. I hope you guys are doing it too. Um, we're looking forward to getting back together next week. Uh, today we're actually going to change things up a little bit. We're going to have Jason worshiping with us and leading worship. And Kelly, our next gen director, is going to be up here bringing the message. And then I'll be back at the end to wrap up with the Lord's Supper. So I hope you will join us in worship. Well, good morning. My name is Kelly Stockdale, and I am the Next Gen Director here at Grace Hill, and it is so good to be joining you live. I have been like many of you parents at home with kids and teenagers, begging them to watch the live stream, just get your breakfast, just sit down, please be quiet, all the things, and I feel for you. This has definitely been a different season, but uh, thank God for technology and that we are able to connect with each other even when we have to be apart. Well, a few months ago, uh, some ladies and I participated in a digital Bible study where we looked at the I am statements. of. If you think about this, it's the same for us, right? Just like it would have been for Jesus, that it's important, the I am statements that we say about ourselves. So for instance, if you were to look at my Instagram bio, you would see some I am statements. My Instagram bio says that I am a child of God that I am a wife, that I am a mother to four, that I am a next-gen director. And that just gives you a little bit of picture about who I am and the titles I have and, the, and uh, what I do. And so the same as goes when we look at the I am statements of Jesus. It gives us a picture of who he is and what he's going to do. And so today we're gonna look at one of those I am statements, which is I am the way, the truth, and the life. I would love for you to take some time and turn with me to John 14, um, either in your Bible or maybe in your Bible app on your phone. That's the passage I'm gonna be looking at today, John 14, verse one. And uh, just to give you a little bit of um, some background coming into this passage, um, when we come to this passage in John, we find the disciples very upset. We find them very troubled. Jesus just sat with them at the Last Supper, and he basically told them three very discouraging statements. He told them that one of the disciples was going to betray Jesus. He told them that one of the disciples was going to deny Jesus. And then he told them that that he himself would be leaving them. So they are very upset and very distraught when we find this in verse one in John chapter four. And it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? 
And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And right here, um, Jesus is telling his disciples that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life. And these statements are important in itself, but they're really important when we think about these statements in terms of the garden and what happened with Adam and Eve. See, in the beginning when Adam and Eve were created, everything was perfect. There was um, no, no sadness, there was no joy, and he gave um, Adam and Eve rule over all of the garden and all of the animals and everything that was in it. They walked with God daily and communed with him. And so there was perfection there in the garden. And God gave them access to everything that they could possibly want, but he gave them this one rule. He said, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He gave them that one rule. But as we know, the story goes, for many of us know the story, that the cunning serpent planted doubt in Eve's mind about whether or not God really had um, their best in mind. And so he planted doubt in her mind and she ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then she convinced Adam to also eat of the fruit. And in that one instance, brokenness, sin, and death entered into the world. And ever since the garden, the people of God have been um, needing a solution to that brokenness, to that sin and death. Ever since the garden, you and I have needed that solution to the brokenness, sin and death that are in our own lives. We needed a solution that would make us right with God again. And so God in all of his goodness sent his very own son to this world to save us from ourselves, just make a way back to God, and to be the way, the truth, and the life for us. And so this morning, as we're looking at what it means when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, we're gonna look at these three statements in regards to it. And they are, when we are lost in our brokenness and cut off from God, Jesus provides a way back for us. When we are trapped in our sin, Jesus defeats Satan's lies to speak truth into our own lives. When we were sentenced to death and hopelessness, Jesus gives us life. You know, um, GPS on our, on our phones and our navigation systems, they're, they're pretty much always supposed to be right. You know, we, we trust in those systems. And um, have you ever had a situation though where maybe that GPS didn't work quite the way that it was supposed to and it didn't give you quite the right directions? I had one of those instances happen when I was taking my daughter Ava to her regional cross country championship that was supposed to be located at Dyersburg High School. And I had never been there before, so I was trusting my GPS to get me there. Well, um, we're driving and we're down roads that I'm going, there's, I, these, we're down little, you know, backcountry roads, we would go a mile, my GPS would kind of give me some more directions, some different directions, and so I was super confused. The funny thing about this was, is that as we were driving a couple of miles back, there was a school that we passed, but I paid no attention to it because I thought, no, my GPS is still telling me that I have three or four miles to go. So I was trusting in that GPS to get me. Well, lo and behold, when I went back and made my way back, sure enough, that, high, that school happened to be Dyersburg High School. 
And it was funny because I was so uh, determined to listen to that voice. I was so determined to follow the way, even though I was going, no, this doesn't feel right. And it's funny because that's kind of like life, right? Where we know um, that we have the leading of God of the way that we're supposed to go, but sometimes it's really hard to not listen to all the other voices that are out there. And so when we think about this first word, when we think about what it means when Jesus says, I am the way, we need to look at what that word actually means. That Greek word there for the way is hodos, and it means a way, a road, a journey. And it can mean a, a path, a direction, it's a particular method of doing things. But if we were to think about this word on maybe a metaphorical level, it's often used as the life choices that a person makes or the lifestyle that a person adopts. You can also find this word hodos for way, you can also find this in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And it says this, it says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And so when we are lost in our brokenness and we are cut off from God, basically here Jesus is saying that he's the road, he's the path back to God. Um, we were broken apart from God the moment that sin entered into the world in the garden and we desperately needed that way back to God. And for many years, you can see people in the Old Testament that they um, did rituals, that they did sacrifices, um, they brought offerings, they obeyed the law to the T because they were so desperately trying to be in a right relationship with God. And now through God's son Jesus, when he came to the world and, and he died on the cross for our sins, all of that was, was done away with, that we didn't need that, that all of our salvation and our hope is found in a person. It's found, the way is found in the person of Jesus. And the rest of verse six um, in John 14 says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way that we can get to God. And he's saying that he's wiping away every other method of getting to God, and it doesn't matter how many good works you do. It doesn't matter how much you come to church. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how much you volunteer. That won't make you right with God, that the only way to be right with God is through his son, Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to eternal life. You know, the disciples, they followed Jesus on his, on his journey here on earth as Jesus was showing them who God was um, through himself. And we see in the Gospel of John not only a record of Jesus' journey, but we also see this record of his believers' journey as they learned to follow him. And this concept or the word, the way, was so important to the early believers that it, it's literally what they used to call their movement. It became known as the way um, for, for those early believers. And we can find that all throughout the book of Acts when um, Paul is, um, taught, is, is writing, he, he often references um, anything to do with Christians as being part of the way. One example of this is in Acts 24, 14, when Paul was arrested and he's giving his defense before Felix the governor, he says, I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect, believing everything that 
that is in accordance with the law and the prophets. And so while we don't, so while we don't find the word Christian in the Bible, we do find this word called using the way as, as what um, it, it identifies the earlier believers. And I don't know if you're like me, I often get struck with the fact of, this should be easy to follow Jesus, right? It should be easy to follow Jesus in the way. When I think of being apart from God and that Jesus is the only way um, to make me right again with him, I, I should, based off of Jesus' sacrifice, want to follow him wholeheartedly. But I don't know if you're like me, it's often a struggle inside me constantly for that. It's a struggle constantly for um, the happiness that I want and the things that I think were going to make me happy in life. And while Jesus says, I want you to be happy, but more than happiness I, is I, that I want you to be holy as you follow me in the way. And God knew that it was gonna be hard for us. God knew that we would always be in a constant struggle in our flesh um, to follow him and that our first inclination would always be to follow ourselves and, for, and follow what we want. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You know, there's, the world also tries to tell, tell us that there's, many different ways to God, that, you, um, that it's personal to every person and everybody can find their way to God. And, that, and it's true that we all have our own unique spiritual journey that we're on and, and where God finds us and meets us. But ultimately, in this passage, what Jesus is saying is that there's only one way to God, though, that we can travel, and that's through his son, Jesus. Because when we are lost in our brokenness and cut off from God, Jesus provides the way back for us. And then secondly, we're gonna look at the word truth when Jesus says, I am the truth. You see, when we are trapped in our sin, Jesus defeats Satan's lies to speak truth into our own lives. Um, the, word, the Greek word here is, for truth is aletheia, and in which means divine truth derived from the one true God. It can also mean the declaring and the existence and will of the one true God. So here, when he says, I am the truth, he's saying, I am the one true God. We can think of truth maybe in these terms. Truth is when a stated proposition matches up with a factual reality. It's when a stated proposition matches up with a factual reality. And when um, this word is used, the word for truth, it would have had um, implications for both Greeks and Jews that were in the audience. You see, the background for a lot of John's readers would have been Greek philosophers. And the Greek, in the Greek philosophical tradition is that they were always on the hunt for truth. They were always trying to find truth. And for them to find truth meant that they were trying to get to the nature, the very nature and realness of a, of a being. They were trying to find the very essence of an object. They believed that appearances might change, but truth never does. And so when Jesus is saying to them that he is the truth, he is saying he is the very essence of truth. He is the very essence of that object. He is, he is, he is truth. 
And then when we think about it in the Jewish terms to the Jewish audience, in the Old Testament, um, we can often find that the concept of faithfulness, that it's linked um, to, it, or that we can see that truth is linked to faithfulness. In the Old Testament, to say that a person is true, it means to say that they are faithful and that they are reliable. And so for uh, the Jewish audience, when Jesus is saying that he is truth, what he is saying is that he is the true, faithful, reliable one. And truth is often used all throughout the book of John. And we can find truth linked to several different concepts when we look in the book of John. We can see that truth is linked to grace often. Um, in John 1.14, it says that Jesus came full of grace and he came full of truth. So truth and grace is on display in the persons of Jesus, that he holds the tension of those two words perfectly in who he is. And then when we look, we can also find that truth is linked to something that we do. In John 3.21, it speaks to living by the truth. See, the opposite of evil works is good, true, faithful deeds. And then we also find truth linked to spirit worship. It's linked to our worship that we bring. In John 4.24, it says that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth, that there can be no room for falsehood, there can be no room for lies in our worship. And then lastly, we can see that truth is linked to freedom. John 8, 32 says this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing truth ultimately leads to freedom. Here Jesus is telling his disciples that they would be free to know the truth. They would be free if they know him. And to know the truth is to know Jesus because he is truth personified. See, Satan loves to tell us that freedom and truth can't coincide in the same world, and they can't coincide together. He wants us to believe that truth is restrictive. And he's really been doing this since the very beginning, right? He's been doing this since the very beginning back in the garden with Adam and Eve. When God said that Adam um, and Eve could eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 3.1 says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See, Satan wanted Eve's focus to be on the one thing that she couldn't have. And Satan's tactics, they haven't really changed that much, even today. See, God, he wants us very much to believe that God's truth is restrictive and that it's unrealistic and it doesn't apply for us in our life today. He wants us to believe that God's truth, it's really holding out on us, ultimately. And he plants these doubts in our minds and he confuses us um, from being able to see what the real truth is. And in our day and time, for sure, the world has tried to make truth subjective. It's, um, we, we've, I feel like it's been said that truth can be anybody's own experience or opinion, that you need to go live and find your own truth. And certainly, I know this is in my case, that when I am truly kind of caught in the sin of Satan's lies, I sometimes will find that I will go seek out voices that are going to tell me what I wanna hear. And ultimately, what 
I often have to tell myself, and I have to remind myself, is that the truth of God's word is still applicable for me today, and that his word has something to say for my life here where I am. And so while we are trapped in our own sin, Jesus defeats Satan's lies to speak truth into our own lives. And then lastly, we're gonna look at the phrase, I am the life. The Greek word that Jesus uses there is zoe, which means that which is alive opposed to that which is dead. It can also mean the existence of life without end. See here, Jesus told his disciples that he's gonna be leaving them, which obviously just struck fear into their very own hearts. Um, they knew that there were people that wanted Jesus dead and they were, they were fearful. And so they were fearful to do life without him. But here he's telling him that he is the very life. He is a life that goes on without end. And we also see the word Zoe used in John 1:3. In the very beginning of John, it was claiming Jesus as the word and that Jesus was the creator and the originator of the life of the universe. John 1:4 says that in Jesus was life, and Jesus was all the physical life, but Jesus was also all the spiritual life. Um, we, we can find this word also used in Matthew 16:25 through 26. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? You see, when we were sentenced to death and hopelessness, Jesus gives us life. In Genesis 3, when sin entered into the garden with Adam and Eve, one of those consequences of that sin was death. It says in Genesis 3:22, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and live forever. But then the person of Jesus came. The person of Jesus came to save us, to make a way back to him. And so Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22, that for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. And as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus also said another really important I am statement in the book of John when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said this when um, his friend Lazarus died and he would go on to raise him from the dead. And he said this statement to his friend Martha because she was so distraught over the fact that her brother had died. And it says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one, who in, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. See, sin and the curse of death, it entered into the garden in Genesis through Adam and Eve, but through Christ, we are ultimately made alive. We are given eternal life when we believe in Jesus. And Jesus is promising us that he is the life and he's the only one that can bring us a full life in him and one that will last for eternity. See, when we were sentenced to death and hopelessness, Jesus gives us life. And in today's world, it's really easy to get confused about what is really the right way to live. 
Um, what's the real truth? What's the right way? Everyone claims to know truth, and everyone claims to have thoughts on the way. But the only place that we can find true happiness in life is in Jesus. The world will definitely have many options for us to choose from. And I know that for me, um, I have to put out a lot of the shouts of the world and that I have to concentrate on his word and what he says. And I have to spend time with him praying and believing that he will do what he says he will do in his word. And I have to remind myself of the things that I know to be true in his word, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and that Jesus is the life. And I love this, um, that really in this whole statement, if you were to sum the statement up of Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that you could say that Jesus is the true living way to God. And God, in all of his goodness, he didn't leave us separated from him. He sent his son Jesus to us. And Jesus, in all of his goodness, didn't leave us on our own to just figure it out. What I love about this is that Jesus didn't say that he would show us the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And Jesus didn't say, I will teach you a truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And Jesus, he didn't say, hey, here's the secrets to life. Jesus said, I am the life. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I just thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, I thank you um, that when I, um, as a sinner, were lost and so broken apart from you, um, God, that you came and you rescued me. And God, I just thank you for your saving power, for your saving grace. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that when... Um, even as I'm just trying to follow you, God, that you have given me a roadmap to follow you, that when I feel like the world is shouting really loud and um, there's so many options on the table of different directions I can take, God, that you have given me your word. Um, I thank you that in my own life that I have seen um, that your word is good, it's true and faithful. Um, God, we love you, and uh, we thank you so much for what you've done. God, I pray um, if anybody doesn't know you as the way, the truth, and the life, God, I pray that you would uh, begin to prick their hearts. Um, God, that you would begin to speak to them. Um, God, you would show yourself to them and reveal yourself to them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter. You matter.